All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? Everybody good? That was fun. Corey, thanks for doing that. Good time. Love our kids here. It's one of our values, the next generation. And so I want to take a moment real quick and just welcome everybody in this room. I also want to welcome those that are watching online today. Thanks for joining this conversation. But of course, we want to take a special moment and welcome all the mamas in the room. And so can we give it up for the moms in the room this morning? I'm actually a little biased when it comes to Mother's Day. I was raised by my mom, a single mom. Of, uh, she raised three boys, me and my two older brothers. And so I'm a little biased when it comes to Mother's Day, especially for single moms. And so knowing how tough that is and watching how tough that's been on uh, my mom in the past. And mom, just in case you're watching, which you're probably not because you really don't know how to use technology that well, but I love you. Happy Mother's Day. If you happen to be watching, that's awesome. But can we give it up for single moms real quick? Just love, love what you do. Love the sacrifices that you make. So moms, we love you, we see you, and today we honor you. Well, last week I was down in Arizona and went down there to uh, take a trip to the church that both Corey and I came from uh, when we moved up here, before we moved up here, but also went to meet with another church. And something that you need to know, in case you don't know this, uh, we are a young church. We're just approaching eight months old as a church. And so when you start a new church, one of the things that happens is you have uh, other churches that kind of watch and see what you're doing. And uh, many times they'll come alongside of you to help you because they believe in what you're doing. And I need to let you know this. This is not uh, like a pat on my back. It's a pat on your back. There are churches all around this nation that are noticing what we're doing here in Colorado Springs at Trace Church. And so we've got church partnerships in Kentucky, in Texas, in Arizona, uh, in Colorado, and it's just been amazing. And I got to meet with another church that says, hey, we really believe in what you guys are doing up there, uh, and we want to come alongside of you as well. So we had another church partner with us that's going to be uh, supporting us both financially and through prayer. And so I want to give you guys a round of applause for letting them see the work that's being done here. Well, that's where I was last week. Hopefully you were here because Corey taught an incredible message. I got the opportunity to go back and actually watch his message online. If you did not get to see his message, I would encourage you to go back and actually watch it because he did an incredible job talking about what it looks like to build or oftentimes rebuild a foundation for our life. And he used a particular passage that comes at the end of, a, of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is often spoken of as like the, the best sermon that he, Jesus ever gave. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, and I'm going to paraphrase. He says, listen, 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 listen. Here's what you can do. You can hear everything that I just taught on. He said the Sermon on the Mount is probably about 12 minutes long. You can, do, you, you can hear what I said and not do anything with it. And if you do that, you'll be like the foolish person who built his house on sand. And there are storms coming. We all get that. And when that storm comes, if you built your foundation on sand, your house will not be able to withstand the storm. And of course, that metaphor is actually talking about our life. He said, or, listen, 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 listen. You can actually hear what I said and do something with it. Like actually make it a part and apply it to your life. And if you do that, you'll be like the wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the storms come, and we all know they're coming, your house can withstand the storm. And so last week we talked about how to build a storm-proof life by not just listening to the words of Jesus, but actually doing what it says. Now that, that particular passage has become pivotal in our ministry here at Trace and because what we have determined, specifically Corey and myself, after being in ministry, I think we have about 25 years of combined ministry between us, we've learned that there's four particular areas in everyone's life where they have the, the likelihood to both succeed or fail. 
to both survive or thrive. And so what we've done is we've taken those four areas and we've said, listen, let's help people build a foundation for their life based on these four areas. And we try to make them as simple as we can. So there are four words that start with the letter F. Their friendships, their faith, their finances, and their family. And as much as I would love to give you a sermon this morning that would cover all of those areas, I really can't do that, but we will touch on these subjects often here at this church. So today, what I want to do as we continue in our re-series is actually just focus on one word that will help us engage that area. And we're going to focus on friendships or relationships. And so our re-word this morning will be re-engage. Let me start here. I love technology. I don't have too many vices in this life. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't beat my kids, I don't know what else to throw in there. I don't do anything that uh, really causes, I don't spend a lot of money on clothes, I don't do, but I love technology and I love staying up to speed on technology. So I'm a big I, you know, I'm a big Apple guy. I've got an iPhone, I got the latest iPhone, iMac, yeah, MacBook Pro, I've got an iWatch. And here recently I got a, a new thermostat in my house that I can actually control by speaking to my watch. Yes, I'm a geek. I get it. I understand. But I got to have something in my life. And so what I've learned to do is like mess with people like my mom, uh, because my mom is like, where does, where does like technology end to begin? Every time I tell her something new that technology can do, it blows her mind. So she really doesn't know how far it can go. So I'll be driving down the road and my mom will be sitting with me and I'm like, um, hey, Siri, can you do a load of white laundry? And she's like, are you kidding me? How can that happen? I'm like, mom, I'm just kidding. That really can't happen. So, um, but she just doesn't know where it begins and ends. And it's fun. It's fun. Guys, um, as awesome as technology is, I think we probably also agree that it has not done us any favors when it comes to building meaningful relationships. Right? I mean, now we're learning what it, what it looks like to communicate in this generation. And we're communicating through a post on a social media account, a written message. And we're communicating our feelings with these little faces that we call emojis. It's ridiculous, really. And psychologists have determined that this is heavily influencing the way that people interact today and will continue to influence the way people interact in the future. And guys, the more I think about this... It just, it just kind of makes me sad. And then I think that my kids are going to have to grow up in this kind of communication style, and I get a little worried. And, and then I remember that Jesus is in charge. And I, I just remember, God, I just need to pray more and ask how God can help me be a facilitator of change. Of course, we're just messing with you today. So thanks for having fun with that. By the way, we're going to be bringing an offering later. Um, and, all, and all the money today is going to go to a new church casino. So I'm done. I promise I'm done. I'm done. That's it. That's it. But some may argue that technology has actually helped us. Some may argue that, man, I can talk to people that I love, people that I know, people in my family that are living in a different state, a different country, a different continent. And I get that. Right? I mean, we can have face-to-face conversations through things like FaceTime and Skype with people who live in a completely different area, and we can see them face-to-face and have a conversation with them. It's crazy. 
And some would say, man, that's really helping our communication. But still others would communicate, man, there's no better way to get your message across than an old-fashioned letter. Reminds me of this story. It was an old man alone in the country, and he wanted to dig his potato garden. But it was very hard because the ground was hard. And his only son, Fred, who used to help him dig his potato garden every year, was in prison serving 20 years to life for a crime he had been convicted of. And the old man, he wrote a letter to his imprisoned son. He's, he was discussing the problem that he was facing. He said, Dear Fred, I'm feeling pretty bad right now because it looks like I won't be able to plant my potato garden this year. Just getting too old to be digging up a garden plot all by myself. And I know if you were here, my troubles would be over because you would help me dig up that plot. Love, Dad. A few days later, he received a letter from his son who had written it from jail that said, Dear Dad, for heaven's sake, don't dig up that garden. That's where I buried all the bodies. Love, Fred. At four o'clock in the morning, FBI agents and local police arrived and dug up the whole area without finding any bodies. They apologized to the old man and left. And that same day, the old man received another letter from his imprisoned son that read, Dear Dad, go ahead and plant the potatoes now. <laughs> that was the best I could do under the circumstances. Guys, when we dig down a little bit deeper and we investigate why somewhere along the way we disengaged from deep, meaningful relationships. Oftentimes, we find that something broke. It could have been a breakdown in communication. could have been a breakdown in trust. And when trust goes, everything goes. could have been a fight that too many choice words were used and it just went too far. It could have been a breakdown in mutual compromise and devotion. And I want to be clear today, we're, just, we're not talking about intimate relationships or just intimate relationships like boyfriend and girlfriend, husband and wife. We're talking about deep, meaningful friendships. And yes, those can include closer relationships with your husband or wife. Guys, some of these circumstances cause us to disengage because they hurt. And when we disengage, a lot of times we will isolate ourselves. We'll build up walls and we'll say, you know what, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Because last time I put myself out there, it left me wounded. But I'm pleading with you this morning, pleading to re-engage relationships, deep, meaningful relationships. Why? That leads me to our one thing today. Because you were created to love and be loved. You were created for it. That's God's recipe for relationships. And guys, I get it. It's hard, especially for some of you that are walking around with those wounds. And so what I wanna do with the rest of our time today is I wanna look at a particular passage of scripture that's gonna come from Jesus himself. And it's probably, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, it's something that you're gonna be very familiar with. But I'm gonna point out some things that maybe you've bypassed or just overlooked uh, in the past when you've read this particular passage. And we're gonna allow Jesus to teach us this morning on the importance of deep, meaningful relationships. We'll pick up in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man, glor now is the Son of Man glorified and glorified, and God, I'm sorry, God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. 
And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Let's break this down a little bit, and we'll begin with the very first phrase here, when he had gone out. You know what just happened here? Because it's really, really important to understand the emphasis and significance of this passage. Jesus says when he had gone out because Judas just left the room. Judas just betrayed not, not only Jesus, but the rest of the disciples. And we have to understand in this moment, the disciples are sitting around a table. They're about to join a meal together. And Jesus calls Judas out because he knew that Judas was going to betray him. But remember, the rest of the disciples didn't have any idea what was going on. This guy had been one of their best friends. Like they've done life with him. And he just betrayed them all. And he just walked out of the room. And so it's important to understand that at this moment, what, what Jesus says, he's pivoting off the fact that everyone in that room was just betrayed. Let's talk about this. Some of you have experienced this firsthand. And I'm right there with you. And when we experience, especially deep levels of betrayal, it's hard to put ourselves back out there again. Now, I got a handful of things I could go through in my life with you where I've had deep, meaningful relationships that were betrayed, beginning with my dad leaving us when I was five to one of my spiritual mentors. I had to go bail him out of jail because he had assaulted someone. And even last night at our men's cookout, somebody put a cat in my car. I'm looking at faces to see, I'll find you. And when I do, I've developed a set of skills over the years. And I will, I'm not going to go any further. I was trying to have a Liam Neeson moment there, and it just wasn't working. But So guys, um, I get it. I get that it's hard to put yourself back out there once you've experienced betrayal. But God created you to love and to be loved. And I'm not saying you should put yourself out there to just anybody, right? And I'm not even saying you should re-engage unhealthy relationships. What I would encourage you to do in those unhealthy relationships, whether there's been a divorce or just a, a, an area where trust was betrayed in a deep way, just be civil. Be civil. In the book of Romans, Paul tells us that if it's up to us, we should be at peace with everyone. And again, I'm not telling you to re-engage those relationships, but just be civil. And so Jesus is saying, listen, guys, he's talking to the disciples in the room. I know what just happened. I know it's hard. And that's going to help me to emphasize a point to you that's really, really important. And so he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, hey, lean in. Don't miss what he says next. He says this, a new commandment, a new commandment. Remember that he's talking to Jews in the room. All they ever knew was the Ten Commandments. And so Jesus, the Messiah, their Lord, their leader, the guy that's been showing them this new way, the kingdom of God, bringing it to earth, he said, hey, 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 a new commandment. You gotta imagine in this moment, after they just had one of their best friends betray them and walk out of the room, Jesus says, listen, 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 listen. A new commandment I give to you. At this point, it's all ears. 
Like Jesus is leaning in. He wants, they want to know, I'm sorry, the disciples are leaning in. They want to know what Jesus is going to say next. A new commandment? What is he about to tell us? A new commandment? And he says this. A new commandment that I give to you. That you love one another. Out of all the things that Jesus could have said in this moment, after they were all betrayed, he says, guys, love one another. You, you know what it feels like? That thing that you just felt because this guy just walked out of the room that betrayed us all? That's why we gotta love one another. You love one another. Just as I have loved you. Let me pause real quick. I don't know what you've experienced in your life. And I do know that you were created to love and both be loved. And maybe you're in here today and you're like, I'd love to feel like I'm loved by somebody else. You are. If you don't feel love from anyone else in this life, Jesus just made it clear. Just as I have loved you, you are loved. And then he finishes with this. You are also to love one another. I don't know if you'll pick pick out of this verse what I picked out, but this is not optional. For those of us that love Jesus and want to follow Jesus with our lives, this is not an option. This is a commandment. And he doesn't tell you something else to do so that you can be super spiritual. He doesn't tell you something else to do so that God will actually love you in return. No, he just says, listen, listen, listen. Love one another. Because if we love one another and we're devoted to one another and we don't betray each other's trust, we won't experience again what you just experienced when Judas walked out of the room. Love one another. You see, when trust goes, so does love. And miss this. But when trust grows, so does love. So Jesus tells us this is not an option. In order for us to represent the kingdom of God here on earth, we have to get this one right, to love one another. It's one of the reasons I'm so thankful for how simple but also effective our mission statement is here at Trace to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. We're always on mission, meaning we're never off the hook for sharing the love that God has given us with others. And friends, I'm not saying this to like make you feel guilty or anything like that, but I wonder if we kind of just took a survey each and every week, how well are we doing that? Because I promise you, God is giving you opportunities every single day whether it's with your kids or your wife or your neighbor or a coworker or a family member or some random person that you run into that God, for some reason, makes you look at and you think to yourself, I'm supposed to do something here. And we actually listen and we take the love that God has given us and we share it with one another, leaving traces of his love everywhere. That's why we have set out on this mission because Jesus commanded us to. And when we do it, when we share love with others and we receive it, it fills our heart. Here's what he finishes next with this passage. And this is critical. By this. Don't miss those two words. By this. By this. This idea of loving one another. All people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, maybe the best way 
that we can ever point people to Jesus, right? I mean, we've all been there before where it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. How am I supposed to share the gospel? How am I supposed to share about my faith? How am I supposed to tell people about my love and devotion to Jesus? What am I supposed to do here? Well, Jesus just said, listen, if you'll love, let's, let's start here. If you'll love one another, all people will know that you're my disciples. All people will know that you're devoted to me. So if for no other reason, let's learn how to love each other better because in that process, we actually point to Jesus. Let me close by switching gears just a little bit and talking to you about the end of our lives. And this is all too close to me. This past Saturday, uh, I lost my beloved aunt of 61 years old to a, a brutal disease called ALS. I'm sure some of you are familiar with that. And as much as we hated to lose her at such a young age, we're grateful that she's no longer suffering. And the reason I bring that up is because all of us will have that in common at some point. We all will close our eyes for the very last time. And too many people get at the end of their life making a statement that often begins with these two words. I wish. I wish. And oftentimes that statement is is continued by saying something that is rooted in relational regret. Man, I wish I would have spent more time with. I wish I would have taken advantage. I wish I would have asked for forgiveness. I wish I would have told that person I was sorry. I wish. And this is actually backed up by a survey that was taken several years ago. And it was a survey taken from over five, or no, 500 people who were 95, I can't talk this morning, 95 years old or older. And one of the questions in this survey was this, hey, if you could go back and do it all over again, like what would you do differently? Here are the top two answers. 500 people that were 95 years old or older, they said, listen, I would have spent more time with people I love and I would have taken more risks. Guys, one of our hopes here at Trace is that we can help facilitate opportunities for you and encourage you to re-engage in relationships, or maybe begin deep, meaningful friendships and relationships for the first time. Why? Because you were created to love and be loved. And one of my hopes is that we can help you get to the end of your life when we all shut our eyes for the very last time. But instead of you saying, I wish, you say, I'm so glad I fill in the blank. I'm so glad I reconnected with my son. I'm so glad I went and asked for forgiveness. I'm so glad I accepted that forgiveness. I'm so glad I finally put my wounds aside and said, you know what, I'm gonna step back up to the plate and swing again. I hope each of you can get to the end of your life saying, I'm so glad I, versus I wish. Even Steve Jobs, the creator of Apple, one of the creators of Apple says this, if you live each day as if it's your last day, someday you'll be right. So you might as well buy an iWatch. No, he didn't say that part. I just added that. But guys, don't miss the second part of that survey answer. Some of you today, the biggest risk you could take, I get it, is stepping back up to the plate, reengaging in an old relationship, maybe deciding to start new ones. And so one of the things that we do here at Trace is we want to facilitate opportunities for that kind of growth. And so we put together something, something called neighborhood groups, neighboring groups. 
And we already have these going. And so if you don't even know where to start, where it's like, yeah, I get it. I understand this. I understand what Jesus said, the importance of loving others and being loved by others. Where do I start? After we're done today, just go over to the bottom of the stairs. There's a table over there. We call it guest services. And just give us some information, your name, and let us know that you would like to at least have a conversation about getting in one of our neighboring groups. There's nothing fancy or super spiritual about these neighboring groups. It's simply people that have decided to do life together. And when things are good, they celebrate together. But when things aren't so good, they cry with each other. They hurt for one another. They learn what it looks like to carry one another's burdens. That is what Christ has called us to do. And when we do that, we fulfill the law. We fulfill that commandment. And so my hope is that you'll decide this morning to re-engage in relationships. And when you get at the end of your life, you get to say, I'm so glad I, versus I wish I would have. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to have do-overs. And even though I mentioned a handful of the different disappointments in my life, the people that betrayed me, I I would have to be honest, I'm sure that somewhere along the way I've disappointed and discouraged and potentially even betrayed somebody else. And so, Father, first we want to say thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us second chances. And so, Lord, I know that for some of the people in this room where wounds go deep, God, would you give them the courage and strength to step back up to the plate? Would you encourage them to maybe re-engage a relationship where they need to ask for forgiveness, maybe re-engage a relationship where they need to forgive someone. Father, I I know we don't even understand to its fullest uh, capacity this idea of living out this new command that you gave your disciples to love one another. And it goes so much deeper than what we could ever imagine. And so God, we pray for your partnership in this, that we would learn what it looks like to put ourselves out there, even though, even though we may be setting ourselves up for potential hurt, that we would want to follow through in what it is you've asked us to do, to love one another deeply. And God, I pray that you partner with us to accomplish just that. We pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen.